says, get that India, big boy. Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is John, also known as 4020, I'm your host of the tip sheet, joining me as always is my good mate 60s, 60s we're back with another instant reaction edition of the tip sheet, the primary rules win so you get to hear us ramp and ramble and go on about you know how good the eels are I suppose. Well I think it's a good week to get straight back into the instant reaction, we do have a live appearance coming up next Sunday so we're going to save the midweek podcast for our Sunday live podcast from Parramatta Leagues Club. So I think a, a good time to get straight into the instant reaction review. So let's break down the big win for the Parramatta Eels, travelling up the highway to the Newcastle uh, precinct to take on the Knights. Round 13, Parramatta Eels 40 defeat the Newcastle Knights 4. Um, circling back to our preview on this one, we thought, you know, historically it looked like it was going to be a close game, but we, um, I ended up tipping, a, I think it was a 15-point win, um, 25 to 10, they completely blew that out. Try scorers for the Eels, Ryan Madison getting it opened up early on in the third minute, sorry, of Hayes Dunst the following in the 16th. A double to Micah Sivo, then Quinton Gufferson, Bryce Cartwright, Tom Opachuk and Wonga Blake rounding out an exhaustive list of scorers. He was only kicking four from eight from the kicking tee today. Uh, Mitch really struggled in that regard, missing uh, all but two of his attempts. So he was two from six, while Clinton Gufson was actually flawless, going two from two. For the Knights, it was a late try to Anari Tuala that kept them from getting swept or cleaned out. And uh, Suasu Su also in the Simbin for a very ticky-tacky call, I thought. That would have been penalty sufficient, but we can talk about that later. Uh, in terms of the team stats... Eels dominated possession, as you might expect, in a 36-point differential win. 54% to the Eels, to farm, 46% for the Knights, sorry. Time possession, 30, 47 minutes, sorry, 30 minutes, 47 seconds uh, for the Eels to Newcastle's 26-13. Eels uh, completing effectively 81%, 35-43. Newcastle down at 66%. Uh, Eels ahead in every key attacking stat, uh, 207 runs to 150 they made uh, 550 more metres than the Knights, uh, another 150 post-contact metres, nine line breaks to three, 35 tackle breaks to 20. Uh, the Knights again with the faster play, the ball speed. Uh, Eels dominating the offloads. Eels far more efficient in diffusing, better defensively with a, a more effective tackle rate. So it was just a very good all-round performance from the Eels. Um, which is what you wanted to see given that Brad Arthur shook things up a little bit this week, Craig. Uh, they... You know, there was a Blake Ferguson being dropped. So sort of I think people out in the, on the edges will put on notice that, you know, you've got to perform defensively or you're going to get shipped out for a game or two at least. And I think that even though Newcastle were under strength and they didn't have a lot of uh, possession, uh, they at least uh, did what was in task of them prior to the game because I thought that Wanga and uh, Micah on the left defended quite well and I thought that Opachik and Dunster on the other side were quite good. Yeah, there is. Uh, there were a couple of moments in the first half we also thought we saw the benefit of the return of Dylan Brown defensively. Uh, there was one moment I remember where I think it was Connor Watson was looking at drifting. He was just drifting just a little bit on on their left. He was looking to draw in the defenders, but Dylan Brown Dylan Brown was uh, tracked him across and pushed out our defenders further to the That's... right and ended up wrapping him up and then I think there was another one where 
they just got around uh, the outside of our defence there. And, uh, of course, Dylan Brown was there and cut them down uh, pretty quickly straight after the uh, the ball found the outside, which is actually how that defensive system works, which mm-hmm. is if you end up with a, a jam, you have uh, the 5-8 or halfback wrapping around behind the centre and winger to for, to basically become an extra winger at the end of that line. So uh, I think you'd say uh, there's, there's two obvious takes there. First of all is that the Knights didn't test the Eels as uh, Manly and the Seagulls have uh, defensively. But secondly, uh, that the, the system did work on the times where it was required. So I think we go... Um, what did we find out? Well, we I don't know that we necessarily found out too much, but we did find that what they needed to do today was executed fairly well. Yeah, and I think that that's a big part is that Obviously, the 40-4 win is an emphatic victory in any in any uh, yardstick or measurement. But they did the job that was entrusted to them at, you know, before kickoff. And they've certainly made it uh, so I don't think Blake Ferguson can come back next week because you'd be doing um, Hayes Dunster a very dirty deal if that was the case. Because I thought Hayes, who uh, 136 metres or 14 carries, a few tackle busts, free, a line break, a try, um, and some other nice involvements. He just was, you know, in the mix throughout the entire game, defended solidly. And there was at least one play in the second half where he, he executed the like a jam and swivel to cover the winger really nicely. Like he didn't overcommit to the jam, but took the centre out of the play and then got to the winger in time. So I think what I think what you would have had would have been before the game you would have had Brad Arthur giving Hayes Dunster his instructions do this do this do this do this, and at the end of the game you would have had tick 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 tick. So, um, in terms of what, in terms of his performance, I would say that he did exactly as the coaches would have instructed them, uh, would have instructed him to do. And I think that goes a long way in terms of team selections. And you know, nice to see the the Yankee get his first NRL try too, courtesy of a really nice, uh, as a commentary like to call it, a giddy ass flick from um, Ryan Madison. Uh, Matter probably could have tucked that and scored himself, to be honest, but he was selfless and gave it to his. Uh, Young flanker, got him on the board, so it was good to see. Um, I suppose the other line player that's out in the team, uh, Wonga Blake, I thought he played quite well. The Eels gave him some early ball, and he really teed off uh, with the ball in hand. And he made some good reads defensively. Um, I think the only real knock on him defensively was that late try that Twyla scored, where he had a very tough chance down the sideline to make and couldn't quite get it. But I really liked his involvements. Uh, I like that him and Sebo seem to be on the same page. That's always a, a strong point uh, defensively when your winger and centre are working as a unit. So good signs from Wonga there. And on the flip side, Tom... Well, uh, I was just going to say 170 running metres. You can't complain eight, about a, a Eight tackle busts as well. Sorry? Eight tackle busts as well. Yes, yes. That's a team high there. So Wonga really looking for the contact. And you could see it. That reflected in the way Newcastle really bouncing out of him or off him when he was making those carries. Um, it was interesting too. I, I don't know if it was deliberate because it felt like it was, but Gufferson was hunting out Wanga early on in those uh, sets uh, and using him on some kick returns as well when the opportunity presented itself. So that was um, good to see. Um, and then you mentioned him already, but let's talk about Dylan Brown for a moment because three-week absence after the unfortunate incident with uh, Drew Hutchinson where he dropped his knees in the back. So got the deserved holiday there and uh, has come back and really hit the ground running. And when I say hit the ground running, I mean that because 228 metres from 22 carries, four tackle busts, uh, one line break assist, 
and a ton of involvements in the red zone that nearly led to points. Uh, he, he nearly scored himself a couple of times, nearly set up a few more tries. That was a really good all-round game from Dylan. If you're, if you're looking for your 5-8 coming back after having a few weeks out to make a statement about how he feels about being out of the team, what happened over that period of time, I don't think you could have asked for too much more from Dylan Barron than what he showed today. And, you know, with uh, Mitchell Moses having to leave the game early as a precautionary thing, uh, the calf, it looked like getting some work by the trainers before with uh, about 34 minutes left in the game. Brad Arthur just said, no, we've got Will Smith on the bench. We're going to put you on ice and, and get Will out there. It was good to see the team didn't fall to pieces without Mitchell out there. I thought that one thing that really, really jumped out to me is that Dylan, one of the areas I've really criticized him in the past is his uh, long kicking game is a bit one-dimensional. And I thought that tonight there was a little bit more nuance to it. He managed to strike the ball uh, a couple of different ways that were able to get even more meterage than you usually would get or not just be a straight, sort of like pop cap, you know, north-south kick. So it was great to see a little bit of um, added depth to his kicking repertoire there. So very good there. But for the most part, yeah, just it was interesting seeing him be able to get so heavily involved. I mean, 200 metres for any player is a huge game running, but you don't see that for a half ever. Maybe Cameron Munster's done it a couple of times. I don't know. So Dylan, huge effort there for the young man. Very encouraging. Um, I thought the forwards in general all played really well. Um, who was your pick of the pack, mate? Because they all had good numbers. You know what? I'm going to go Sean Lane. Mm. Uh, coming off the bench, I thought he was outstanding today. And uh, his running metres, he was credited with 175 running metres. And that doesn't surprise me uh, one one bit. And, of course, the other aspect of it, too, was 78 of those running meters were post contact meters yeah, and you could regard. just see that that they just the um the knights pack struggled to contain him when, once he once he was hitting the line he just it, you know the legs kept pumping I, I think he is proving once and for all that he is a middle forward he, i think he's just doing a great job as a middle forward yeah he's starting to really come into his own in that role um which is really good because eels well not just eels but any team you can never really have enough depth through the middle, and your, your ability to have quality at that position beyond just your starting props is what usually decides how far you can go into the finals, being able to compete through the middle, and it's the area that the Eels struggled in the last fortnight, and it's no surprise that they won so comfortably today because they dominated the middle, um, you know, starting with Reg, and then Oggy came on and played as a great complementary forward to Sean Lane. Uh, I thought Bryce Cartwright had a couple of good strong carries. Uh, all our outside backs were heavily involved through the middle, so, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> So, yeah, we, we comprehensively won the middle and that reflected on the scoreboard. Yeah, and it's interesting that you're uh, mentioning Bryce Cartwright too because we are really seeing a a bloke who looks nothing like the Bryce Cartwright who was up in the Titans. And, of course, that's a, that's a good comment to make, to say he looks nothing like the Bryce Cartwright running around for the mm-hmm. Titans because you've got him... Um, very rarely, very, very rarely overplaying his hand. In fact, you'd probably say that that's not too different to anyone who's a playmaker where there is an occasional time where you might accuse a playmaker of overplaying their hand. He's, um, and defensively, well, uh, I don't see anything of that player that used to be criticised so often defensively up at at the Titans. If you you didn't know about the stigma that he carried into this season about his defence, and deservedly so, 
you you would have no idea that he was a bad defender historically based on what he's doing in 2021. He's been really solid, which is, you know, being one of the cornerstones as to why he's being picked because he's playing his fundamentals correctly. So that's hugely encouraging. And the touch on that kick for Wonga Blake was just ridiculous. He put it in a spot that only Wonga could get. Uh, I don't think Tex Hoy was particularly badly positioned, but that, the kick just pulled up after like two and a half, three metres. And, you know, Wonga just said, thank you very much. I'll take it. So great little touch out wide. But yeah, it's a game where so many people could get shouted out. I thought it was a huge bounce back to form for Quentin Gufferson after a really miserable fortnight for him. He got heavily involved in all the right main, uh, in all the right main sorry. Uh, two line breaks, two line break assists, two try assists on top of um, adding a few of those points from the kicking tee and also scoring that lovely, um, that work try from him to Marcus Eber was really great. Uh, I think the commentators referred to it as like globetrotter football, but it was just, you know, edge-to-edge stuff, and then Wonga coming, Wonga, Micah coming back inside, then flicking the ball around the corner to Gufferson and support right on half time. Great, great, uh, great news. And I'm just seeing here. So the initial report, so we'll, we'll mention this now. It wasn't all great news for the Eels on the field. Uh Obviously, we mentioned Mitchell Moses taking uh, time off early in that game, uh, what we believe is precautionary because of his um, history of the calf injuries. Um, but the game also finished with real concern around Reed and Marnie because there was that uh, sequence of play where he was hit off the ball and was okay, but it was a bit jammed up, got up, and we tried to work one of those really neat little wraparound plays of Reed and Reg, or Reed and Lane, sorry. And it bounced out of Reed's hands. He tried to wrap up the, the turned-over ball on, a def- on the defender-turned-attacker, and he uh, ended up reeling out of that for a really bad shoulder or pec injury. Um, Reed has apparently uh, had a post-match interview on Triple M Newcastle saying that the shoulder popped out and back in, and he thinks that he might be okay for next week. And that's a player diagnosing themselves there, so let's take that for a grain of salt. But if it is a, just a, a minor dislocation like that, uh, that is probably the best-case scenario outside of a stinger. So that is huge, uh, hugely positive news there, possibly, 60s. Well, popped out and popped back in. That's, um, that, that's, that's interesting. So is it? are we talking about it was a, a partial dislocation? Yeah, pretty, that, pretty much. With the, that, they'll probably term it as a partial dislocation, yeah, or a minor dislocation. So uh, looks like it's a, one of the better case scenarios because you're looking at a grade-free peck, a grade-free bicep at some points, uh, and instead we're getting one of the better case scenarios there, which would be absolutely massive for the Eels because we do have some good depth for hooker this year in terms of Joey Lussick, Will Smith, and Nathaniel Roach, but Reed is in a state of origin caliber player. So, And you saw that on the field. He had a great game. He was very, very good. So huge news. If that well, I, the guess, I, I guess the thing will be how um, the Eels medical staff view it because, I, I mean, that that's obviously a, a captain obvious statement, but what I mean by that is... Yes, I know. I know. If he's... <laughs> If he's got, uh, if he's not quite a hundred percent, and you'd have to suggest he's going to be not quite a hundred percent from, uh, you know, within a week for that sort of injury, even if it's a partial dislocation that's popped back in, you'd you'd take, you, you wouldn't take a risk with him, would you? You'd it's the you'd surely it's the West Tigers give him next a week, week right? Out. Sorry, it's West Tigers next week, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah so I mean. You, you sort of take that on the merits of your opposition, and if you can feel like you can beat the Tigers without Reed, then yeah, certainly. Um, I, I know Reed will be pushing the play because he wants to continue to push his uh, credentials for state of origin, but you, you're talking about looking at, you know, they're weighing off the, the balance of the premiership, right? This is a marathon, not a sprint, and so you need Reed to be at his best across the entirety of the season rather than just the short term. And Well, I, I think it's even in his interest for origin because. 
if he was to go out there and injure himself next week, he'd again be putting his origin um, campaign at, at a zero chance then. So uh, I would think that they know what he's capable of, the, the origin selectors. So I don't think he really needs to keep his name in front of selectors. He's already had it there. He's he's selected where he was, where he was the the chance of coming off the bench or... Um, he, I thought he was a chance of starting with, with um, that's Grant. What we, that's what we're all for. Bench. Exactly. That would have been a great one-two punch. Instead, obviously, read the odd man out and allowed to be uh, released from camp to the Eels' benefit. And, you know, hugely influential today. Had a really nice try assist for Tom Opachuk. Kicked great in support of um, Mitchell Moses. So, yeah, that was very much Parramatta's gain. Um, but, yeah, we do wish that... Uh, <laughs> I don't know, wish, but, um, you know... We hope that it is a, a, on the lower extent of the uh, scale in terms of injuries, and that reaction on the radio seems to bode well, and that's why I think that, like you suggested, 60s, that the club probably will give him the week off regardless um, of what the diagnosis is. Yeah. Now, I'm going to just... Uh, I want to just go quickly to overall takes on the game. I, I know there is going to be a take out there from the more critical supporters who will say, well, that's just on the... A 40-4 to four victory is only just acceptable. There's nothing to write home about, blah, 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 blah. Right? So I'm going to I'm gonna offer the take that they delivered what I needed to see today, which was uh, controlled a controlled victory. It was convincing on the scoreboard because, let's face it, if there was... Uh, a little bit more success with the kicking. The potential was there for a forty-eight point uh, to to four or forty-eight to six margin. Uh, it was eight, eight tries to one, so I think that's fairly convincing. I don't. I'm not one for. Oh, we need to put the the um, the the foot to the throat and. And rack up ridiculous scores. I obviously I enjoy a big scoreline win because I can sit there being a lot more relaxed. But what I will say today is, from the moment that the game kicked off, I was quite relaxed about how that how the game was going to pan out. And at no stage did I feel that the Eels weren't in complete control. And if I'm looking for a way for them to bounce back, and I don't care about whether the opposition is at full strength or not, or you you want you want a a good controlled uh, performance from your team, where the coach should be looking at did they execute this, did they execute this, and looking for all the things that they needed to tick off that they had to do as a team and as individuals, and I think they would have come away with most boxes ticked. Today, I think the coach will be fairly happy with it, um, and he will also come away with a couple of things to still work on. But in terms of a, a bounce back, I, I think it was uh, probably everything that um, most supporters would have been looking for. Uh, I mean, you look at that the performance, and it's really hard to be critical of too much. I mean, maybe there was a. I bet there'll be people who will be. Uh, no, no doubt. But if you're trying to be balanced and not be overly, you know, too far positive and too far negative, and try and find that split down the middle, uh, I'm just trying to recall the game. Obviously, Mitchell Moses' kicking in terms of the, the conversions was a bit disappointing. He uh, narrowly missed all four of the misses. 
either just shaving right or left of the uprights. Uh, but yeah, I really like what the back line did. They all got heavily involved. I thought Mike Acevo ran with plenty of intent throughout the entirety of that game. Um, scored a very well, you know, well-earned double and also set up Guffo for another and was probably could have had a hat-trick at that um, in the second half if he decided to be selfish and reach out instead of trying to um, pass back and field. But um, like we said, Hayes had a good game. Um, I mean, probably if you had to pick someone in the four pack that didn't have a, a great game was uh, Murata, who only got 70, uh, 62 metres. But he did his job. And played the foil to Reagan Campbell-Gillard in that opening stint. And that's what football's about sometimes, is you can't always be the guy. You've got to be, you know, uh, paying uh, subservience to the hot hand. And that's what he did, so he did his job. Uh, we only had uh, two players put on a port in this game. One was Tom Opachik for that unfortunate incident where Hayes Dunster was penalised for taking the player out in the air, and I thought it was just a contest for the ball. Uh, and then uh, Opachik dived on the player and got him high. And the other player put on a port... I can't recall. Can you, mate? Uh, I'm just trying to think now. Um, uh, look, off the top of my head, no, no. Uh, but I, I do, I do recall the second player going on report. Um, Tom up a chicken the 59 minutes. It was one of the. Was it one of the forwards? Um, let me just do a quick search. Right, so Lachlan Fitzgibbon on report for the Knights. Zai Papali'i in the 15th minute. Okay, so Saifidi and Papali'i were both put on report in the same play, it looks like. Weird. Uh, yeah. Weird. Okay, so I don't think we have too much to concern ourselves with from the judiciary out of this game. Um, I think there was nothing in the opportunity tackle, and I can't recall the, the Papali'i incident, so uh, goodness knows there. But, yeah, the, the Eels needed a big bounce-back win. Uh, after those back-to-back losses to Manly and the Sea, uh, Manly Sea was Manly and the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and that's what they did today. They went out and did the job, asked them of their coach, controlled the game from start to finish, like you said, sixties. And I suppose importantly, when we were previewing this, we said that it's been a decade since the Eels, or a decade plus, since the Eels have put together a comprehensive victory against the Newcastle Knights. Just for whatever reason, you talk about styles making fights and all that sort of stuff, the Eels have not been able to match up cleanly with Newcastle. Um, with our, our best wins being, you know, a matter of single digits um, for the most part. And here we are today with the, the best clean win in a long, long time. Um, and yeah, it was against an understrength Newcastle team. Uh, but, you know, they, they also took on a ref who refused to call a forward pass against the opposition. Like, Newcastle were out there playing for gridiron at times and didn't get a single forward pass called against them. And we had one where, uh, was it Quentin Gufferson that, or Bryce Cartwright that passed it that was flat as attack and... And it should have been another try for us, and they caught it forward. So, no, I thought we, we handled the, the conditions, we handled the opposition, we handled the officiating really well. And it was just a good, pleasing win. Yeah, and I, as I said, I think if if we were looking for uh, something that we could come away with that we, we didn't get, uh, I, I suppose we it's not something we're going to get too carried away about in terms of well, you would think in oh, terms of the goodness, players no. yeah, exactly. getting ahead of themselves. But it's a good boost to confidence. It snaps that uh, that streak that we had, just not like in terms of losses, but also with the collisions and, and now fragility out wide. So it was a good circuit breaker for us, the sort of win that we've been looking to use as a, a palate cleanser. And yeah, we beat up on an undermanned Newcastle team, but like we said earlier, you can only play what's in front of you, and the Eels did just that. Um, a big win... 
helps them uh, move back up into third on the ladder ahead of the Rabbitohs. So they still, well, now they own the third best for and against once again, one point ahead of the Sydney Roosters, which is nice. Although we are trailing both the Knights and the uh, uh, Knights, the Panthers and the Storm significantly in terms of the for and against stakes. Both those teams have uh, over 100 points differential on us quite comfortably. So some ground to be made there. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed the win. It was good to see the Eels, you know, just use those systems defensively that we spoke about in the preview podcast, mate. Yeah, and when I look back on the on the preview podcast, and I, I think I said something along the lines of that with the with us not having a win of greater than six points over the Knights since two thousand and ten, and only four, and there was only four victories, and as I said, nothing nothing greater than six points, and that affected what I thought the scoreline might be. But yeah, I, I, absolutely, I, I do recall saying that. It wouldn't surprise me at all if we absolutely ran away with it simply because of the fact that did say worse, it was yeah. a, a very much a weakened uh, Newcastle team and and we we really should and were a lot better than what they were able to be on the day. So and I, um, I suppose the, the parallel now for us to sort of call back to, and I'm trying to think because, you know, we, we've made a – it's been made a deal of for good reason is that mid-season slump the Eels have had in recent years, um, going back to 2019, starting with the Magic Round loss to Brisbane, uh, to Brisbane to Melbourne, and then last year with the loss to Manly. Did we have such a resurgent bounce-back win at a, like a corresponding time during those slumps? I don't. F- I feel like uh, we didn't. No. No, I, I, I don't believe that we did off the top of my head. But then again, <clears throat> I... I I w- wasn't necessarily seeing that as the last two weeks as a as a potential mid-season slump. I think the back half of the season is too long for us to be thinking about is um, or or putting that into a into a um, a funk that we needed to get out of. I think what we'll be what I'm more interested in looking at is how we go in that six, six, seven games to go part of the season. The to me, that, yeah, the, the <laughs> that, that run in there is where you, where you would start to see how has the team timed its run. So, again, to me, this is still, I mean, it's right at that halfway mark. It's still, as far as I'm concerned, a time where you just need to be getting the wins and um, and those two matches that uh, we just, man, I think it just highlighted that um, certain outs and certain uh, performances weren't, uh, in terms of individual uh, players, weren't up to standard. Mm-hmm. I think it gave us a chance to reevaluate how some players were going and how important others were to the team. I think it became obvious that uh, in our defensive system, that um, uh, it, what, the job wasn't being done by Fergo for for the reasons that it, that he and Brad Arthur would have spoken about. I think it also highlighted the importance of Dylan Brown being on uh, the Eels' right side in defence. Yeah, and easy. Um, and I and as I said for at, at the beginning of this pod that. There was a couple of, I thought, moments which emphasised the role that Dylan Brown does play defensively in the team. And if I know we weren't, we're realistic. The Knights didn't offer the same sort of test 
as what the previous two weeks did. Nowhere near the same sort of test. However, uh, I think the there would have been similar strength in that side, given how we were, how our system was working today. Yes, sir. And speaking of that gauntlet you were talking about, the Eels now have a three-game stretch towards their first or first and only bye. So they're going to have a home stand back-to-back against the Tigers and Dogs. Then they'll travel out the Penrith to take on the Pampers. It'll be a, obviously a huge clash, 1v3, as it currently stands. And, and just uh, just quickly on that, I believe that there are not too many tickets at all left for that game up at Penrith. Uh, I, the, so the way if you're an Eels supporter exactly. planning to go, Buy now. <laughs> I, I would be buying now, yeah. And uh, from there, we head to the round 17 buy, and then it is that disgusting gauntlet we are talking about, 60s. Uh, we travel up to the Gold Coast to take on the Titans, and that's probably the easiest game of that run because then it's uh, hosting the Raiders, then going to the Roosters, hosting the Rabbitohs, going to Manly, hosting the Cowboys, going to the Storm, and then hosting the Panthers in the last game of the regulation season. So talk about getting yourself prepped for the finals, mate. That is a bloody hard run. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Eels handle that, but that's a long way between now and then. Uh, as it stands, the Eels do move back up the third. So uh, getting business done as we want. And uh, I suppose before we uh, end up wrapping up, we'll just mention, since we aren't going to be doing our midweek podcast, that there was one other result today. Uh, the Eels 30 defeating the Knights 22 in the knock-on effect New South Wales Cup. For the Eels, Charbel Tassapawi, Will Penasini, Sean Russell, Kai Rodwell, and Jacob Arthur all scoring. Ranking going 4 from 5 off the boot, with uh, a panel goal also added by Jordan Rankin. Uh, so good win there for the Eels in that grade. Um, Blake Ferguson did end up turning out in that game, by the way, 60s. So he wasn't named initially, but did uh, did get the call-up eventually. Um, and that keeps the Eels in third place on the ladder, um, still chasing the Magpies and the Panthers in Ridges. Right. And uh, we didn't quite get to the um, to our 3 2 ones for oh, today either, mate. That, that's so can we uh, so, yeah, finish with the, Let's finish the Cap, cap the review by talking about our best players. Um, this is an interesting one. A lot of good performance today. Um, I think I'm going to give the returning man my three points in Dylan Brown. Um, who's got your three? Uh, I'm going uh, Sean Lane for my three. He was, I'm going, my, he was my two. So. I'm going, I'm going uh, Dylan Brown for my two. And I'm going uh, uh, Clint Gutherson for my one. Yeah, Gaffo, a very worthy uh, pick for the one. Um, I might go Wonga Blake for my one point. Um, a much maligned character in the outfit. Um, I think with a team high eight tackle busts alongside that 170 metres and a try as well. He could have had two, by the way. That um, obstruction call, uh, Jake Clifford made a defensive decision, I felt like. Uh, probably he'd been pushing through the line and, and Clifford decided to run into him. So, um, But yeah, I'll give Wonga Blake my one. So I go three, Dylan Brown, two, Sean Lane, one, Wonga Blake. Quentin Gufferson, really unlucky to miss out. Reed Marnie, ditto. A couple other guys that all had fantastic games. Uh, Papa Lee was very good. Ryan Madison, very good. Um, could have easily been in the points there. So, yeah, really nice win. 40-4 to four for the Paramaterials over the Knights. Like I said, keeps us in third. So no more uh, sliding down the ladder, which is always a good thing. And, um, yeah, it gives us a chance to make a real run uh, towards the bye with a bit of momentum now, mate. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm, I am really looking forward. I, I, you shouldn't look too far ahead. I am, I am looking forward to the clash with Penrith at Penrith, um, but there is a, a clash against the resurgent West Tigers this Sunday, so 
just a reminder that we'll be live in Pablo's at Parramatta Leagues Club with special guest Neville Glover, Nifty Nev, the joining us. Yeah, joining us for the pre-game live podcast, Pablo's. And although we've uh, we're we're yet to confirm the actual time, I, I would say we're probably going to be around about that one o'clock mark up in Pablo's. But we'll get that up on the website as soon as that's confirmed during the week this week. Mm-hmm. As always, for all our listeners, thanks for stopping by. Be sure to check out thecumberlandthrow.com for all of our post-game coverage. I know Mitch's grades will be up soon. I'll be chipping away at my musings and getting them up as soon as I can. And then from there, be all the midweek content as usual. Teamless Tuesday, 60s, you'll have your uh, uh, Monday bumpers up uh, up at some point. And we'll have um, everything to go from there. We've got Shelley, we've got Colmac. Uh, we got goals preview for the next game, so there's plenty to read. Uh, drop a comment. Catch us on social media if you like, at Eels TCT. Um, but, yeah, have fun. Enjoy the win. Uh, Eels finally turned the ship around in a, in a very solid fashion, as we all wanted, um, getting the job done over an understrength Newcastle team with a 40-4 win. So good stuff from Parramatta. And, as always, we'll catch you guys on the other side. Goodbye. <laughs>